the transition, the transition that Bethel is taking, uh, we have been, for quite a while, we've been a, a multi-ethnic church, but that's not the same as a multicultural church. Let me just explain the difference real quickly to you, is that when you talk about a multi-ethnic church, you just have multiple ethnicities that come together and do it your way. Okay? And, and when, you, when you start to transition into being a multicultural church, you start adding in cultural pieces that connect with the different cultures within the body. And I don't expect this to be, to, to be smooth. Uh, I, you know, I never look for, you know, trying to get things 100% right all the time. Uh, we, just, we just are going to fumble forward. And the, with the Lord's grace, he's going to help us to be able to integrate and become something different. And, uh, and for me, I, one of the important scriptures for me is found in Ephesians chapter 3. And it, and it, it just talks about the, uh, the, the wisdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God being, uh, being known, made known in the church. And that word manifold, and this isn't sermon, by the way. Uh, so this doesn't count toward it. The word manifold has, uh, is, is a word that was used in the Greek um, uh, that really described the color of flowers. And they're, they're the beauty of the, the, the preciousness of the body of Christ is if it's made up of just completely unique and different people that God, through Jesus Christ, adopts and brings into a family. And, and, and whenever there's, there's family, you got family issues and you got family problems. You even have the family nut. If you don't have a family nut, well... Every family has a nut. If you don't have one, just think that through on the way home. Uh, the, everybody's got, so you got, you got issues, you got stuff. But love, love covers a multitude of sin. And so our, one of our prayers last night, and I, I, just, I just love the way this people just moved into this place of prayer, is that uh, the, the, the people that will be joining us on the first weekend of February, there's preciousness in each and every one of them. And so to be able to learn and to grow and, and to discover the preciousness in other people is a quality that this world does not, um, uh, does not have. When I first came to Bethel, everybody has said we're a friendly church. Listen, when I went to my first Cowboys game, everybody that works at, for Jerry Jones uh, is friendly. But it's different when, when you actually care about and receive and love through true appreciation of another person. And that's found in the body of Christ. And, and I'm telling you, I brag about you guys all the time in this area. Because you're extremely good at it. So you're going to have just a wonderful opportunity to be able to express it. So, all right, that's, that's February 4th, I guess it is, is the first Sunday. And we just look forward to that time. I have been staying after for their service every Sunday. It will continue for the rest of the month. But uh, just trying to get a sense of some things that the Lord would like to do. Uh, and uh, let me just, one other thing real quick. And uh, is that uh, when in talking to people, especially when I, when I, when I have... Uh, been in conversation with, uh, uh, specifically for me, it's been Nigerians and Kenyans in particular with a, with a very heavy accent. People are not embarrassed or they're not uh, um, get upset for you to ask them to repeat themselves. Uh, and don't be afraid to ask them, you know, I didn't quite get that. Will you say that again? Because it's more important for them to know they were heard rather than to just get an acknowledgement and moving on. Does that make sense to you? So don't be afraid to do that. Okay, so turn to Luke chapter 18. We're going to spend, a, we're going to spend two weeks in this particular area because we're going to look at uh, the, the first um, 14 verses. Uh, the first part of it we're going to look at this week, and then we'll look at the next part next week. As Jesus has really just spent some time uh, in chapter 17, uh, really talking to the disciples, talking to, about uh, the end times and his return and things to look out for, and then he transitions from that. And the reason I'm bringing up is that the 
reason that he mentions it and then transitions to this is real important because he's talking about a time. He's talking about a challenge that's associated with a life that is lived closer to his return. And so he gives two parables, but we're going to call them parables because that's what they are. They're parables. They're, 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 they're these stories that are not about any particular person other than a fictional person to bring home a point, a place of understanding for us. And one of the most difficult things for people is, and, and, and certainly one of the most difficult aspects when it comes to prayer, prayer and prayerables, is persevering when it seems like God is not answering. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you, you're praying about something and it just seems like God's nowhere to be found? Well, Jesus, in, earlier in, in, uh, early on as the disciples came to him and asked him to teach them to pray, he said to them, pray this way. And part of what he pray, had them pray was um, the, the, the prayer that everyone's prayed at probably at some point, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you familiar with that prayer? Jesus, Jesus said, you pray this way. So I want you to think about this for a second. That prayer, just that part of that prayer has been prayed millions of times by millions of people. And is the world darker today than it was 2,000 years ago? So why doesn't, why doesn't the church just take over? Why doesn't the, 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 the expression of our prayers completely overtake? I said this last week, we're, or two weeks ago, 2024 is one of those years I just go, oh, Jesus, help us all. Because, you know, you turn the TV on and whether it's CNN or Fox News or some of the other ones come on and it's election year. Oh, Jesus, help us all. And people that haven't prayed for the government for three years in the body of Christ begins to pray that their candidate gets in. And how did that work out for you last time or the time before that or the time before that? Or maybe you're the person that is constantly praying for the family member that is just the consummate knucklehead and keeps getting themselves into trouble or they keep falling back into drugs and you pray and you pray and you pray. Or you, or you have an area in your body where you're just saying, Lord, why just can't you heal me of this? I believe that you're a God that heals. I'm looking for your healing. Or you seem to fall back into a trap where you're coming back to the Lord about something in the area of finances. And there, in, the, in the body of Christ, in Christianity, there really are three main areas or means of grace for us. There's the, there's the word. And so when I, when I talk to someone who's struggling uh, significantly emotionally, whether they're, they're, whether they're in a time of grieving or they've been, they've been incredibly hurt by somebody and they're trying to move to a place of forgiveness, I always encourage them to spend time in the Psalms. And, and, and depending on the level and severity of the area of hurt or pain or suffering that a person might be in, I encourage people to just listen. Just allow the, the Psalms to wash over you because what you find in the Psalms are people that, that, are, that, ha, that have problems, that have angst, that have angers, that have uh, the areas that they're not seeing God move and, and they're not afraid to express them, but in the end they end up glorifying and, and lifting up the Lord. The, the Word of God has a way of bringing grace to us in a way that, that others not The other is, is fellowship. It's the brothers and sisters in Christ who have a level of maturity that recognize that relationships are there not for self gain but a place of ministering and receiving ministry and so there's this giving and receiving constantly going on and then of course there's prayer 
where we come before the Lord and we have this place of, of, of communion with him. And yet so many people struggle when it comes to the place of prayer. They say things like, well, they get distracted, or they wouldn't say they're lazy, but really they're lazy, or they say they're busy. Or maybe they, they, they took a, a, a prayer model that they just tried to make themselves from somebody else, and this is how you pray for one hour, do this. And, and so you end up thinking you've got to do a certain thing to be able to, to consistently pray. Or, or you just see it as a, a continual list, and certainly there are things that I know that Clarissa and I pray for that are a list. Not a lot, but, there's, there, there, but it's there. And maybe you're the kind of person that when you think of lists, it just repulses you. You just go, oh, Lord Jesus, not another list. Some of you just can't wait for another list, but that's different. And of course, we know that the enemy opposes God's people being in communion with him. He's going to do everything he can, subtly, overtly, or just right out in your face to keep you and I from a place of spending time with the Lord. Of course, we live in a day where, where instant gratification has been given steroids. And so part of what I'm doing, by the way, in the fast is I'm, I'm fasting social media. I don't have a problem fasting Facebook. That's easy to me. My problem is TikTok. I really like TikTok because... There's just funny people out there, and there's yet another cute dog video. And here's what I found, is that without even, and this may not relate to some of you, but I know it's going to relate to some of you as well, is that, is that all of a sudden, I'm pulling something up, and I'm going, oh, wait, 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 no, I'm fasting that. Because what's happened in our, in our culture, our brains have been adjusted to where we get this gratification from the next thing that we can get instantaneously. If I don't like a TikTok video in three seconds, I'm on. You know, that's, a, that's about the level of attention of a goldfish. The enemy is working to rewire our brains any way he can. But imagine if we were that quick in our response to prayer. If we were praying and we didn't even realize that's what was taking place. I tell you what would happen. Because prayer, prayer, the first thing that prayer always does is it, it ignites or lights a spiritual fire, whether that spiritual fire is in us or somebody we're praying for. And from that, the prayer begins to expand a fire that's in us. It begins to expand it to where we're going, well, I gotta, I've got more things, I gotta, and I've got I to keep coming back more and more. And most of the time, and what discourages people most of the time is we know that the fire of prayer is intended to extend well beyond us. But we struggle because we don't see the manifestation, the fulfillment, the reality of that which we are praying for. So Jesus gives a parable, a parable but we're calling a prayable. Let's read it together, starting in verse 1, chapter 18. It says, He told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not 
beat me down by continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So he gives a story. The story of two people who couldn't be further apart from each other. Story of a judge who has absolute power and a widow who has no power. Judges in that day, as Jesus is telling this story, because I got to think, to those who first heard this story, they were chuckling. They're laughing because judges, they were unscrupulous. We can't imagine people in authority being unscrupulous, but then they were unscrupulous. They often took bribes. In fact, bribes were oftentimes sent a few days before the meeting time in order for some to, to be able to get a hearing uh, and, and for others to not only get a hearing, but to get a hearing that would go their way. And so if someone just showed up unannounced, without an appointment, without being on the calendar, certainly without a bribe, they were poor. I want you to get this. This widow had absolutely nothing to offer. She had no ability within herself, in her personhood, to sway the judge. No bribe, nothing. But on the other hand, you have a judge who has absolutely no motivation. He has, he has no motivation to help her to, to do what she is asking for. He's not going to get put his head on his pillow at night and worry about God sending a heart attack in the middle of the night or getting struck by lightning. He has zero fear of God. You have a judge who has zero fear of men. He doesn't have to worry about getting elected. He doesn't have to worry about looking good. He's just going to do what he wants to do, regardless of what people think. And yet, the widow keeps coming. Day after day, after day, after day, after day. The, the English Standard Version says she beats him down. In the Greek, it literally, the, the word is she gives him a black eye. And for his own reasons, his own selfishness, because of her continual day after day after day after day, he grants her what she requests. Now, I don't know about you, for me, as I, as I sit and I begin to ponder this, this story, it just throws all sorts of questions out there for me. And one I think that we at least have to address real quickly is that Jesus is not comparing his father to the unjust judge. Jesus is not saying you and I have got to come and, and give him a, basically a black eye, if that were even possible, since you can't look at, on his face and live, uh, to get what you want. 
But here's where I want you to connect this morning. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look this, break this down, and really just kind of just uh, explore this a little bit today. And, and here's simply what Jesus is saying. Persist, don't desist, the Father wants to assist. Can we say that together? Persist, don't desist, the Father wants to assist. Let's do it one more time. Persist, don't desist, the Father wants to assist. Because the father is not a mean ogre who is just living his selfish old ways. We do, we are like the widow. We have nothing to give. We have no means. But the difference is, is what we don't have, the great God of heaven sent to us in Jesus Christ. Because he wanted to make sure that we had access. Because he knows you're coming. He's expecting you to come. That which needs to be satisfied in himself is found only in Jesus Christ. It's not found in our own widowhood. It's not found in our poverty. It's not found in our lack. It's found in Jesus Christ alone. And so this first parable has everything to do with us persisting. So we persist. We don't desist. We don't stop. Because the Father wants to assist. And I've got to tell you something here that this, for some might be a little challenging. Uh, when it comes to, when it comes to the, the answering of prayer and, and coming to the Lord and things seeming to not ever changing, the problem is not God. The problem is us. Now, I didn't figure I'd get any amens out of that, but that's okay. But here's what happens. And there's a reason Jesus does this. You know, he's, he's, he's really taken this to a place where he understands that there's going to be a time where it seems like Every time we pray, it's useless. And so he says, don't lose heart. Because we start believing there are reasons our prayers are not answered. That that the Father is not really up there to help. We're really all on our own. And we need to hunker down or we need to bunker down until we die or we go, the rapture happens and we go be with Jesus. So, so, So all of a sudden we stop with this persisting of praying before the Lord. Or we believe that, that we ourselves are not worthy and we lose the reality and we lose and, and miss the understanding of the, the preciousness of Jesus and that he's the one that's worthy. And so we just start living on a place of survival mode. Boy, I just got to make it. Or we believe that God helps other people, but not me. You know, if I spent much time discipling you, I say things, I've said this for years, I'll keep saying it, when you, when you go and you start to minister to people, it's a whole lot easier to have faith for somebody else. And so when you see someone going up and praying for somebody, you go, oh, I can only have the faith that they had. And we start to lose heart thinking that, that God is, is selective in his handing out of his, his good judgments, his justice. And Jesus knew that we would struggle with that, that we would get in a place where we would uh, really just, just go, you know what? Why bother? What is, what is? I'm just going to let it be. I'm going to try to be the best Christian as I can, but things are going to work out the way. And Jesus is saying we need to persist. Don't desist. The Father wants to assist. Over and over again. I'm sure I've told this story, and some of you have heard it before, but I, I, I really had selfish motives for becoming a Christian, and it really wasn't about getting out of hell. It wasn't that my, my life was a living hell, and I, and I wanted to uh, you know, escape all of that. Um, I became a follower of Jesus because I was raised in a Christian home, and I didn't want to marry a bum woman. 
And so here, I, I, I said to the Lord, I said, I will follow you. I will give you my life. I will choose your life over mine if you just bring me a wife. Now, we, it's years later and, you know, 33 plus years and I got the most wonderful wife that I could have and couldn't imagine having another, another uh, woman. And I, we're not having problems at home and I'm not trying to cover things up. Honest truth. Uh, but I want to take you into my, my sparse living room in the early days of my Christianity when I would come home from work and I would fall on my knees and I would pray the, the Lord's Prayer. It's the first thing I learned. I started praying the Lord's Prayer. And then I would say, Lord, you've got to bring me a wife. And I would go to work the next day, and I'd go through whatever in the next day was, and the Lord didn't bring me a wife. And I'd come home, and I'd say, Lord, you've got to bring me a wife. And, I, and, and with the exception of, of his wooing me into a life with him, I think this is the, the most clearest first thing I ever heard the Lord say to me. Stop it. I got this. See, the, the challenge to this parable is that, is that we think we've got to say the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until God finally hears us and gives us what we want. But I would submit to you, that is not what he is saying. There are some things that he'll continually have us come back to him on over and over again for people, for, for, for children, for situations. But there are some things he's going to look at you and say, stop it. I got this. And so we say, okay. Now, how many of you really believe that that was my only prayer that I ever had? No, we all have all kinds of prayers all the time in different ways in different days. And so Jesus is saying, persist. Don't desist. The Father's here to assist. So I want to I talk about this thing of prayer because I want I wanna, I wanna us to help us a little bit. And, I, and I've got to confess, I'm doing something a little different because, um, you know, I started my Spanish class this week and I had emotions that I haven't had since I've been a kid. Uh, I was so embarrassed. I don't know Spanish and I'm looking at people that have Spanish. And, but as I'm, as I'm finally getting over that and just going, teacher, don't call on me, don't call on me, don't call on me, don't call on me, don't call on me. That was predominantly my prayer in class. Uh, I'm watching her, and she did some things. I want to do. So I want everybody to take your hand. She didn't do this particular thing, but I want us to. When when we talk about growing, I want us to use our hand for a place where we grow. Because what I want to do is, I really want to take a few moments. I want to give you some types and then some tips. Some types and some tips. All right. So when you look at your hand, we we have five fingers, and if you'll just take and think about prayer, as simple as the five fingers on your hand. The first one is a thumbs up. First one is a thumbs up. The thumbs up is, this kind of prayer is a, a, a prayer of blessing or adoration. This is where we are acknowledging our dependence on God. So when it comes to prayer, how often are you coming to the Lord and giving him a thumbs up? God, I'm depending on you. I'm looking to you. You are my help. You're the one that I run to. I don't know what to do. You've got to help me. Whenever, you, whenever you're doing that, you're, you are bringing a place of adoration to the Lord. There, there's a dynamic where when your thumbs up, Lord, you're blessing the Lord, going, Lord, I bless you in your righteousness. That's a thumbs up. I bless you in your holiness. I bless you in your incredible knowledge. I bless you in your ability to create everything seen and unseen. 
That's a thumbs up. How often are we giving the thumbs up? Or have we, have we gotten to the place where we don't give God the thumbs up on a regular basis? We've, we've desisted in that place of prayer. Now then there's this finger. Some of you are already concerned about the next one, but we'll get there. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. Uh, I, I just, can I tell you a story that's not necessarily related, but it's really funny. My dad was preaching at my brother's church, and, uh, and they, they have two services. And, and so my cousin's down on the front row giving my dad a signal that it's time to stop preaching. And so my dad sees him, and he looks at the congregation. Yep, JR just gave me the finger. <laughs> Having no idea what he's saying, but everybody else is hearing what they hear. All right, the index finger. Okay, the index finger has everything to do with me. Okay, just point yourself like this, me, okay? So, God, me, okay? It's you and me, God. (laughs) Since I've given my life to you, we're in this together. And so, whatever it is that you're going through, you are then praying that you're in this together with God and that you require, you need God's help in whatever it is that you're facing. It's It's what the Bible calls a petition, we're petitioning the Lord. We're coming to him. And, you know, the, you don't have to worry about tomorrow's petition. Jesus says, today's got enough troubles. Just get, it, get today, get your petitions of the day. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, I'm sure I, I, I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to ask him when I, when I see Moses, like, you had to be getting close to that water going, God, where are you at? Show up, show up, show up. And God's going, you're not there yet. Because it required him getting the rod over the water. So today, whatever, whatever it is that you have need of today, You've, you've taken it to the Lord, and you, you've given it to the Lord, and it's in the Lord's hands. But then there's this finger. How many have ever seen this finger used for themselves? No, this finger's used for somebody else. That was done to me on the road this week. I think he was trying to say something. This is intercession. Not what the devil wants to do with it, but with what Jesus wants to do with it. It's the people in your life that, that, that you have a burden for, that you have an angst for, where you recognize that you're not in control of their decisions, you're not in control of their choices, but you come to the one who knows all things, and he's in control, and he can nudge, and he can sway, and he can move. It's, it's the prayers that, that we pray over, over our government, whether we voted for them or not. I'm going to say this again, because this, listen, this is a spiritual maturity issue here. We pray for those who are in authority, whether we voted for them or not. I probably have to say that a lot this year, because you wouldn't know that by Christians' uh, posts on Facebook. They speak, I want you to get this, they speak ill and harm against people they disagree with. But when Paul did that and found out that he was doing it to high priest, oh, wait a minute, you have to forgive me. We're not supposed to do that. Imagine Christians going, you know what? I'm not supposed to speak ill of a president. I'm not supposed to speak ill of a senator or a congressman or a mayor or a, mayor or a council person. When we're supposed to be using this finger for intercession, our mouths are using it for the things the devil wants to use it for. All right. Then we got the ring finger, right? This finger right here. Uh, this finger, uh, when, when, uh, when I look at this finger and I, and I see this ring, 
I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the person that's journeying through life with me. Guys, I'm giving you an opportunity to amen, but it's up to you. You can do what you want there. I'm sure someone's online catching that. This has everything to do with thankfulness, where we, we stop and we just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. It could be thanking him for material things. It could be thanking him for the times he's come through, whatever it is. A regular thing that we ought to be doing is thanking the Lord. I sometimes, I, you know, in my head, I'm smart enough not to let him get out my mouth. But I listen to people and I, and I sometimes walk away in my arrogance and I go, what are they thanking the Lord over for that stupid thing? I, you don't think this way, but I do at times. And the Lord corrects me. Because every good thing, every good thing comes from him. And so, so we're constantly being reminded that we're, we're joined we're unified with the one who supplies, who gives, who lavishes things upon us. And then there's the, the pinky, right? You ever think you could go without a pinky? I mean, pinkies, other than, you know, the kind of few people that do pinky rings, it just it doesn't seem to have a lot of use, does it? Here's what you don't realize about the pinky. So I went in because I did a stick. I want to get an idea of all these fingers as this idea came to me. Do you know that 50% of the strength of your grip in your hand comes from your pinky? Wow. Okay, you ready for this? This has everything to do with praise. When you spend time praising, all these are prayer. When you spend time praising the Lord, I guarantee you, you're going to have a much better grip on the things in life. It's just this dynamic that happens when we, when we praise the Lord. So let me give you a couple tips now. It's just a couple tips when it comes to these five things. So, you're, so again, let me, just, let me just repeat for you real quick. This is the, the thumb. It has to do with blessing and adoration. And we're just, it's all focused on the thumbs up for things for him. This has everything with our petitions to us. This has to do with the intercession. Some of you thought I was going to miss this. The intercession uh, that we have for others. Uh, this has everything to do with the thanksgiving. And the little pinky has everything to do with praise. So how are we doing on a daily basis using all five of our fingers? And so Jesus, Jesus in this, uh, this prayable, what he's, what he's, what he's you got to get this. He's saying on one end, on this end, this end, don't lose heart. And when I come back, will I, have, will I find faith? And our responsibility is making sure that we constantly are coming before the Lord. It's not a list. It's just, it's a way of life. We're constantly saying, yeah, God, you're great. I love the fact that you're like that. Kind, compassionate, good. Appreciate the fact that you're helping me in this. Help those that are around me. Thank you for all your goodness. And I just praise you because of who you are. So a couple tips I just want to give you real quick and, you know, however you take your notes. But uh, few prayers come instantly. Few. When you're first saved, and, and I, I think God's funny this way, uh, you know, it's, it's I'm late for work, make sure all the lights are green. You get in your car and all the lights are green. And then you get out the next day, I'm late for work, and Lord, we make all the lights green, and they're all red. We struggle with our prayers. Early on, I think, in our faith, the Lord gives us quick wins. 
He helps us to, to build on some things. He wants us to be able to grow. And so, so we learn that there are some things that just require a soaking of prayer, continually coming before the Lord and, and mentioning or praising for, for healing or whatever it is, we're just constantly coming for. It's, it's this, this, these maintaining prayers where we're, we're asking for protection. You may not see the protection. You may not know that the protection's even taking place, but you pray it anyway. There's, a, there's the spiritual warfare where there's these prevailing prayers that you keep coming over and over and over again with the Lord saying, the, the kingdom of darkness needs to be pushed back here. The kingdom of light needs to advance. Or the, the kingdom of light has advanced. Now we need to keep it. We want to make sure that the foxes aren't coming in and spoiling the vine. Or, we are, or we're, 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 uh, we're, we're coming and we're saying, Lord, this, 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 I don't know what to do with this. And what the Lord ultimately is doing is testing our faith. He's causing a, our spiritual muscle to get stronger. And so what, these prayers, they don't come quickly. They're, they're rarely instantaneous. I love it when it happens. It's really cool. He's well able, but he doesn't always. Do I understand why? No. But there's a lot of things that I don't understand. But not only do free prayers come instantly, uh, persistence it isn't easy. This, this, this is just not easy. Anybody that tells you it is, they're crazy. Or, or really, here's what's happened. They've gotten so accustomed to the five kinds of prayers that it's just natural for them now. But that didn't just happen. We don't believe in spiritual evolution. There has to be a concerted effort to tell God he's great, to bring him my needs, to, to pray for those that are around and to thank him and, and to praise him. That takes effort. And there's another dynamic that needs to happen is we don't need to be embarrassed about it. We've got to get over embarrassment. Clarissa's in the restroom and I'm in my closet. And she said, what? Because, by the way, we're at the age, if you talk, walking away or in another room, we ain't got a clue what each other is saying, right? Some of you can relate to that already, right? I wasn't talking to her. I was talking to the Lord. And I was a little embarrassed going, ah, I didn't, you know, I'm, you know. But we have to get over our embarrassment to talking to an entity that we can't see. And so we choose to do it. That's hard for some. But then I think it, uh, the other part about it is, and this is, I think, if, if, especially in, in, this is the great thing about fasting, whether you're fasting food or you're, you know, one of the dynamics being the social media is that every time I want to go to social media, I got to divert. Well, divert to prayer. Divert and say something to the Lord. Do one of the five. Just in that moment. Tell him he's great. Whatever, whatever it might be. And what you'll find is that you end up replacing some of your worry, some of the anxiety that is in your life, with prayer. Because what happens as you're doing that, uh, worry is just a lack of a grip on what's in front of you. But when you give that to the Lord, all of a sudden, and if you really will praise him, you'll start getting a grip on the reality that God's got it under control, that the anxiety will begin to leave. And, and here's the a, here's a last tip I got for you, is that prayer, and there's so many different ways we go, I just had to throw some in, but prayer, it's an action, not an attitude. I don't care if you feel like it or not. It's an action. It's something that we're called to do. So what do we do this week? Let me give you, uh, let me give you tells and, tra- and, and tracks here. Uh, first, the, the tells uh, is really we, we need to retreat from today, and we need to survey the tells in our life. Meaning, what does your five dynamic of prayer life say about you before the Lord? Are, are you fully mature, moving and operating in all? Or, or do you tend to just do one or, or two? Or, or are, you, are you someone that now begins to, uh, to say, I want to grow? Because, because 
once you, once you begin to do the assessment, the Holy Spirit's going to, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will do this to you. He will show you why you lost it, why you don't do it. Because the reason ultimately we don't do it is somewhere we've lost heart. And the Holy Spirit will say, I'm going to get that back for you. I'm going to help you begin to do that. And so, so then, so that even in that assessment, you know, our, you know, what one are you exercising more than another? And it really try to get some balance when it comes to your overall prayer life. So you don't feel like it's just the middle finger. It's not just the list. It's not just the problems, but you're constantly telling God he's okay. And you are really moving in a place where you are also saying, I'm praising you, Lord. Here's the cool thing. If you do just this and this, you're going to hang loose. Right? So in, in, with some of your life group leaders, if you do this, that's just the cue or you uh, think. Because here's the, here's the other tell. Is if you want to increase, if, you're, if you really want to increase in one of these five, you need to tell somebody. Tell somebody that, hey, I'm going to really be working on this, or I'm going to be really working on that. And will you just follow up and see how I'm doing? Will you pray for me and help? I, uh, I, I, I texted this week someone about going to class, the second class. I wanted to quit after my first Spanish class. They said, you got this. You can do it. Because that's, that's, that's the means of grace that comes in fellowship. And when I went to class, I, I had just a little bit more confidence that I could do it because someone was there for me. So when it comes to that increase, you have to tell somebody. It's again why life groups are so important. But let me finish with this. Let me talk to you about the tracks. Because what, what, what oftentimes and what has happened in the, in the years that we are, the, the kind of the age that we're living in is, is we've lost the writing down of the moments that God comes and actually does something. So you're caught up in the middle of, of an incredible calamity and you have forgotten everything that the Lord has done. In the Old Testament, what they did is they went and got rocks and they built altars as a memorial. And the imagery here is so powerful. Those altars are not built with uncalloused hands. Those altars are built by hands that have reached and dug and done something. And so when the Lord comes through, make note of it. Yes. Have a place that you can go back and you can, and you can, um, and, and you can uh, have it encourage you and strengthen you. Because what he's done in the past, he'll do again. last part about the track that I just, I'm going to leave you with this and, and then a story, is that, is that when, you, when you think about tracks, you think about imprints in the ground left by someone. A number of years ago, uh, we did an exercise in school where they had us uh, take off our shoe and leave our socks on and we traced around the outside of our foot. And the exercise is what kind of imprint are you going to leave behind? And as we were, uh, later on, as we were actually in a place of prayer, uh, the Lord took me to a couple times in life where I was really faced with something significant. And, and, and the Lord reminded me that when I was a little rich, we would go out and we'd play in the, in the pastures of the cows and, and we would jump the fences. And when you go over a fence, when you hit the ground, the weight of hitting 
leaves a much deeper imprint than when you're just walking. And that imprint, and the Lord, Lord spoke to me this morning so clearly that he wants some of you to understand that the things that you're praying for, the things that you feel like you're, you want to give up on is a weight that he's allowing you to carry because he's allowing you to leave a deeper imprint for somebody else to follow. The grandma that prays for the grandkid. The father that blesses his children. It's an imprint. And the body of Christ is intended to leave an imprint for the next generation. So Jesus said, persist, don't desist. The father wants to assist. A guy by the name of Roger Sims was coming home after his time in war and he he gets home and he, or he, he gets off the plane and he, he doesn't have a way to get home. And, and back in the, the early 70s, they did something like this. They thumbed it, right? Who would bless me with a ride? And so he started, he had his suitcase and, and he started thumbing it. And, and a Cadillac drives up and, and, uh, and says, hey, I'm going, going towards Chicago. Hop in, I'll give you a ride. He throws his bag in the back and he gets up in the seat and, and they're right along and he says, uh, you know, hi, my name is Roger, what's your name? He goes, I'm Hanover and uh, I'm uh, heading, I have a business in Chicago. I'm heading up there to do some business. Where are you going? He goes, actually, I'm going to Chicago just on the edges if you can go that far. And, and they talked and they, but, but real subtly, the Lord began to talk to Roger about sharing his faith with this guy named Hanover. And so he's talking to him about the importance of exchanging his life for the life of Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, the man pulls over the side of the road. And he's thinking, man, this guy's going to kick me out. But he turns to him, he looks him in the eye, and he says, I want to receive this Jesus. And so he prayed with him. And then they continued on the road. He gets home and says goodbye. A number of years go by, actually it's five years go by, and and he's getting ready to, to actually go to Chicago. They had moved. He's married, has a couple kids. And, and he, he's now going to Chicago. And, and, and he sees that little business card that, that Hanover gave him that day in the car. He goes, you know what? I think I'm going to go see him. And so he gets to Chicago and he goes to Hanover Enterprises. And, and he goes up to the, the lady, the receptionist, and says, hey, I want to meet with, uh, with Mr. Hanover. And she says, you can't. But if you give me a minute, I, you can talk to Mrs. Hanover. And so he starts talking to Mrs. Hanover, and he, and he just says, I just, hey, he gave me a ride a number of years ago, and I just wanted to stop by and say thanks. And, and she says, when did he give you that ride? And he goes, well, I'll never forget it. It was on May 7th. And then he starts to struggle. Should I tell her what happened? He says, yeah, on that May 7th when I was coming home, I just felt the Lord tell me to talk to him about Jesus. And, and he pulled over to the side and he said yes to the life of Jesus. And the woman starts to weep. And, in, and as she's weeping, Roger's a bit confused and she's, he's kind of going, what is going on with this lady? Because for her, she prayed for years for her husband, but she didn't see the answer. Because after he left Roger by the road, he was in a car accident and killed. And she walked away from the Lord because she believed God did not answer her prayer. 
She never got the idea, the prayable that Jesus said, persist, don't desist. The Father wants to assist. And he wants to assist you this morning. And Jesus is saying, take heart, don't give up. Continue on. Don't worry about the outcome. It's unto him. And so, Lord, we just say yes and amen to your plans and purposes. We don't, we don't assume to know all these other things, but we know you. And you're good and kind and compassionate. You are not an evil judge. But, Lord, we are certainly like that widow. We come to you with nothing, not our ability, not our righteousness. We come to you with only the commodity of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who lived the life that I could not live so that I could live the life that I could never live. We just give you thanks for that. Help us by your spirit, Lord. Help us to not lose heart, but to continue in a good, well-balanced prayer in Jesus' name. And before we sing this last song together, here's what I want you to do. If, if, you, if, if, by the way, you didn't get those five things you want me to send them to you, all right, grab the go card and just write hand on there. Make sure I have where you want them texted or where you want them emailed. I'll make sure to send them to you. Uh, but the other thing is that if you need to tell somebody that is spiritually mature that will help you advance, also put that on the grill card. Just if you check life group, that'll be the question I ask. And we'll make sure to connect because we, we do believe that we're coming into a season where it's very important that we persist, not desist, because the Father wants to assist. Let's stand and let's sing this last song. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.